Hi, this is Lauren Vaknin, and you're listening to the Reconditioned Podcast. I'm taking a little summer hiatus from recording, so in the meantime, I've dug out some of our most loved episodes from the archives to entertain and educate you over the summer. Over the next few weeks, you'll hear from guests such as Bruce Lipton, Jay Shetty, Emily Fletcher, and others, as well as some of the most downloaded Rise episodes. Wishing you a fabulous summer, and I will be back with a very expansive season 11 in the autumn. If you've been here a while, you'll know that I believe that we should get whatever we can in the way of nutrition through food. And where we can't get it through food, that's where we supplement. Now, in order to get myself from disabled to completely able-bodied, I had to be really specific and well-researched when it came to supplements, which is why I've been using Amrita Nutrition for the past decade, more than decade actually, to buy pretty much 95% of the supplements I take and recommend. Now, Amrita stocked the highest quality brands using the highest quality non-synthetic ingredients. Most of these brands couldn't even be bought in the UK when I started taking them years ago, so Amrita have made it super easy and accessible. And the other great thing about Amrita is they offer personal support. So if you're not sure of which supplement to order, you can call them and they'll advise you. Now, they're usually a practitioner-only stockist, but you can buy supplements from Amrita now using practitioner invite code Lauren, which will get you 10% off all supplements. And once you set up an account, that 10% will be applied to every order. I've gone ahead and created a collection of all my favorite supplements with Amrita to help you out with it, which you can find in the show notes or on my website by typing in Amrita. Otherwise, just visit amritanutrition.co.uk and use code Lauren for 10% off. Thank you so much to Amrita for continuing to support our mission here at Reconditioned. Hello everyone, thank you for joining once again. I have got a very special, uh, do I say that every week? I do, I think I say every week I've got a very special episode, but I'm just so passionate about the content I'm able to bring you. And today's show really is special. For those listening in the UK, you might remember hearing Davinia Taylor's name from the press in the 90s and early noughties. As the press liked to call it, she was part of the Primrose Hill set which uh, included Sadie Frost and Kate Moss and all that kind of crew. And she was a bit of a party girl and ended up falling into addiction to alcohol. But she's totally turned her life around. And it isn't one of these I've turned my life around stories. It's I learned about my body's physiology, understood why I was susceptible to addiction. And I learned how to, for want of a better term, fix that through using her understanding of genetics and epigenetics and what her body was lacking, what her body needed, why she was more susceptible to it, why also she was able to not suffer from hangovers, why she was able to detox so easily from alcohol, which made it easier to go back into it the next day. Her story is so interesting and she's so interesting and she's so knowledgeable. She's taught herself so much about health optimization, what we kind of call biohacking these days. And she's really recognized now in the UK as a leading voice in biohacking. And she gives so much great information and knowledge about health optimization, but she also gives loads of amazing tips to optimize your health. 
So it really was a great episode and a fun episode to record. We, we went over by about 20 minutes. We recorded for about an hour and 20 because it was so much fun talking to her. We didn't want to cut it short. And she and I were put in touch from the NDU clinic, the biological dentistry clinic, where I'm having my biological dentistry treatment, which turned out to be the root cause of the trigeminal neuralgia I was suffering with. And she's also had biological dentistry treatment done there. So that's kind of how we connected. And just generally, it was a great chat. You're going to learn so much from it because of all these kind of tips and how that she gives and her book it's not a diet isn't about diet it's not about being thin and it's not about you know like not liking your body it really isn't it's just kind of I guess that was a good title to get people who maybe that's what they're looking for to understand that actually it's about optimizing your health and understanding your body and understanding products on the market and what to have and what to avoid etc etc and uh, one of the best things one of the best tips towards the end that she gives is how to biohack a takeaway if you are going to have a takeaway with all the nasty in it, how to make it work for you and how to help your body work through it. So that's great. And so much more content like that. So stick around, listen to the whole thing and get in touch with me or Davinia or both of us on Instagram and let me know what you think of the episode. And of course, if you enjoy it, please share it with people you know, share it on Instagram. If you share it on your stories on Instagram, I will reshare, I will repost it and tag you in it. I just love connecting with everyone and it fills me up to know what your thoughts are and and if you enjoy these episodes and the kind of content that you're enjoying. So get in touch and thank you once again for being here, sending you lots of gratitude and lots of love. And here is Davinia Taylor. Former actress, party girl and recovering alcoholic Davinia Taylor is now a number one Sunday Times bestselling author of It's Not a Diet, as well as becoming the first female to put biohacking on the map in the UK. A mother of four boys, Davinia's personal journey has seen her turn her hand to health and well-being using a holistic approach, enabling her to biohack her way to optimum health. As well as running marathons and being dedicated to her well-being, she now also shares all her knowledge, secrets, and special health optimization finds on her hugely popular Instagram page. So welcome, Davinia. Thank you for having me. It's really lovely to meet you properly. Well, Uh, virtually, whatever we call it these days. Virtually. Maybe one day we'll actually meet properly and that won't be virtually. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so grateful for you being here. Before we dive into everything, because I've got so many questions to get into, I always start the show by asking the guests, what have you done so far today to support your wellness? And this is going to be a really interesting one with you. Okay, so this morning I got up before the kids. I woke up with natural daylight, just a little tweak in the uh, blackout blinds. I like to be up before everyone else. And went downstairs, had some hydrogen water, um, which is filtered water in like a Brita filter. It's got big activated charcoal sort of cylinders in that's mop up all the chlorine, fluoride and hormones and whatever else is in our tap water. And then I hydrogenate it in a little funny little device that takes about 10 minutes and I drink a good glass of that. Meanwhile, coffee is on the brew and I'll have a black coffee and um, I'm not very good at sort of meditating or anything at that point I really rev up my cortisol because I've got four boys I've got to get out the door and it's a case of putting the uniforms out trying to get the a decent menu together for breakfast because I don't give them cereal I don't give them grains they have a sort of paleolithic type diet I'm obsessed with them not having sugar spikes and inflammatory oils in their diet because there's nothing I can do about the school lunch but I make sure they're set up for the day at breakfast 
lots of shouting, lots of clean your teeth, lots of this, that and the other, and then they're out the door. So basically, I'm fueled on a bit of hydrogen water and black coffee. <laughs> now, it's a little bit later, I've got myself a fatty coffee. I mix in some MCT oil powder and some grass-fed butter powder, and it's like a creamy cappuccino. And I'll also sink a bottle of kombucha because that really revs up my dopamine and gives me a bit of positive energy and gets my hormones going for the day. Amazing. I'd like what I know that I well, I think the listeners are thinking right now is well, what do you give your kids for breakfast then? Okay, so this morning they had an organic whey protein shake with some hazelnut milk in. I added a tablespoon of grass-fed bovine collagen as well for the, all the amino acids. And they also had some scrambled eggs with organic cheese melted in. Amazing. Pretty quick, done, and obviously water. So, yeah, yeah and done. So they should be, they're kind of fat-fueled and protein-fueled every morning. Yeah, yeah, we do the smoothies for my kids as well. Well, I, I have one as well, so I think they're great. And we get, get all that collagen in and brilliant. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, children, um, my children included, you know, they go to parties and um, they, they get, they're given sort of sugar laden food at school even when it's savory it's got sneaky sugars in there of course and all the carbohydrates convert to sugar so they're very sugar driven that's this generation that was our generation and I just do my best to try and prop them up against what's out there really they don't notice it their taste preferences of course for sugar because that's what they were raised on and you know babies do seek it out that's naturally so but I just think the uh, the food industry's taken advantage of that natural instinct to for, for sugar and uh, you know they, they've got our kids addicted and it's it's not really not fair because it leads to other things it leads to inflammation it leads to low mood it leads to addictive eating it leads to probably addictive drinking because your dopamine receptors get warped you know mm-hmm. And your fun threshold gets so, you have to go so high to have fun, you know? So it's a shame, really, but I just do my best. I live in the 21st century. There's nothing I can do about society, but in this house, I just make as many tweaks as possible, but I certainly don't alienate them from what society's doing. I don't want them to stand out because the last thing I want is them to be bullied. I just whack it in and how it is, you know? I agree. We do exactly the same. So it's that whole thing of, because people are like, well, they're going to have it here and they're going to have it there. But you can mitigate where you can, right? So it's like in the same way we turn our Wi-Fi off at night and people are like, well, you know, you, you've, there's, there's 4G, there's 5G now everywhere. There is, but you mitigate where you can. You know, you, you allow your body to heal where it can. So when the kids are at home, which is still a lot of the time, you can get that nutrition into them. And it's, exactly. it, yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Because it's that whole thing of like, they, they do, they just, they just, it, when you were saying about the addictions and the food, you know, the food corporations and everything, it's almost we've got to that point of we need something, right? I think the sugar's done that. Like you said, it could lead to drinking. It's like, I don't know, after dinner, people need something. It's that kind of... The, yeah, where- I mean, that that is kind of how the brain works because it feels satisfied on savoury. And then it's like you grow a second stomach right. for sweet. You could be absolutely stuffed, but it's your taste preference that dictates how full you are and you can squeeze in something else so it is natural it's not that you're greedy it's your brain seeking out as many different foods as possible just bearing in mind that your brain probably still thinks it's 500 years ago it doesn't understand we're in the 21st century it's called an evolutionary mismatch so we have 21st century food but primal bodies hence all the chronic disease and everything we're getting because when we've not evolved 
as fast as our technology physically, yeah. which is a shame because it'd be great if we could enjoy all these foods and mitigate everything and just all be happy and lean and, you know, clear thinking and positive. But we can't, can we? Because we've all got food hangovers and we're all inflamed and we're all like getting overweight and depressed. So proof's in the pudding, you know? It's amazing because you, your knowledge on this is incredible and I'd love to dive more into it. But before we do, let's just go back because obviously a lot of people listening will know you from Hollyoaks and from kind of back in the day. And yeah. so just take us back through that time a bit and kind of how that all unfolded for you. Um, I mean, I, I, I fell into, I was training as an actor and then I did the audition. And before I went to university to study, I was just finishing my A-levels in theatre studies and uh, performing arts and I was doing economics as well. But I, I got offered the job. So um, it was my drama teacher said, well, you know, I said, do I go to university? And she said, well, that's the point of university. <laughs> go and get paid. So, <laughs> like, OK. So, yeah, I, I basically did my formal training on set and we had a really good time. It was, you know, it, it was excessive. But, you know, I was what, 18, 19 and um, you could uh, drink and still get up with a hangover and you didn't have hangovers back then and I've since found out it's because of um, a substance called NAD plus and um, as we get older we run out of NAD and that's why our hangovers get worse and unbearable so anyone who is still drinking needs to start having NAD IV infusions and uh, actually it's used in some uh, clinics for getting people off opiate and uh, alcohol addiction but we don't have it in the UK unfortunately again the NHS will just tell you to moderate. <laughs> so, which is impossible if you're addicted, right? Um, but that's another, another podcast episode all on its own. <laughs> oh my God, yeah, it's just like totally wrong approach. Um, so yeah, basically I, I got into that and hugely exciting life. Um, obviously, yeah, I had the, uh, the nastiness of the press that has followed me since I was about 17 anyway. But um, that's always been on my shoulder and a lot of fear had driven there because of what people thought of me, you know, and mm. you, you couldn't answer back like you can now, say on Instagram, someone has an opinion of you, it's out there and people's minds just believe the press, you know, you, you don't, even when you sue them, you can't, put an article out there saying this isn't true they'll give you a tiny bit like this anyway that's that's kind of what I grew up with a, a feeling of people don't like me you know so I was always trying to make up for it probably which exacerbated my over social <laughs> like strategy of going out all the time and trying to make friends and this sort of thing but I moved to London and um let's see I got married pretty young very young actually and um Eventually, I uh, I had IVF and I got pregnant. And it was after that that um, the alcoholism came crashing down. I've since found out, now I'm in the perimenopause, and after doing um, a thing called the Dutch test, the Dutch complete test, where you, we on a stick, much like a pregnancy test, um, every day for a month, and you can see your hormone levels. And my hormone levels are naturally, well, my estrogen levels are actually for a few days of the month, extremely low, as in postmenopausal levels. And I was speaking to my doctor, Dr. Tamsin Lewis, and she says, this is extremely common with women with postnatal depression, particularly after IVF, because of course you have false uh, hormones pumped into you, but then they all drop off. And never once was I uh tested for my hormones after having hormone therapy and showing severe signs of postnatal depression a chronic fear of uh 
not necessarily the baby, but me getting it wrong, a feeling of terrible self-doubt as a human being, a dread for the future, almost like a constant sinking feeling in your stomach when you've forgotten something very important or you've let someone down, that drain, you know, the heat just drops through your body. This was constant and a shaking. Never once was I had my hormones tested. I was simply diagnosed as bipolar and uh, depressed. So I was put on super high doses of both. Um, and it was very fashionable back then for women of my age to be diagnosed with bipolar. And I thought, great, I've got a diagnosis. Started throwing all these tablets down my neck. I'm terrified if I didn't take them that I would become worse and turn back to drink again. Because by this time, I was medicating with alcohol. It was the only thing that boosted my self-esteem. Even though the trade-off was I got drunk. It's the only chemical that worked for me. Not hard drugs, not even nicotine, the world's most addictive substance. Touched the sides. I could, that didn't work for me. It was just white wine, cold white wine. Drove up my dopamine, drove up my estrogen maybe. I don't know what what the chemical reaction was in my brain. That was my drug of choice. And I probably still is to this day, so I wouldn't touch it. Um, And so basically, yeah, I was misdiagnosed. And for many, many years, I took this on the understanding that I was diagnosed by a doctor and he knows best that I was bipolar and chronically depressed and I'm an alcoholic. Never once was my hormones investigated and I don't have any trauma. I don't have trauma in my life. You know, I come from a lovely background. I come from a hardworking family, you know, and I'm sat in AA listening to these horror stories, just thinking, what is my problem? I didn't know I have a genetic predisposition to alcohol. I didn't know that my detox capacity for alcohol was super efficient so I could drink and drink and drink and never get sick. I didn't know that because if you look at my my heritage, I have, you know, Northern European. There's a lot of alcohol in our history. Like we're talking a thousand years of alcohol, you know, we're, we're not yeah, just yeah. talking the last couple of generations. Whereas over in North Asia, you'll find a lot of people cannot tolerate alcohol. They'll flush right. and they'll feel nauseous and dizzy. So they don't generally gravitate to alcohol as an addiction. There's other addictions over there. I think food's coming up over there and also gambling as well. It's a, it's a mental one. Uh, but that just gives you it's an idea. It's definitely an ancestral how, thing, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's how it manifests. So myself being able to tolerate alcohol, also having low hormones, and that alcohol giving me a relief from the low mood was a perfect storm, a perfect storm. And it was the 90s and the noughties, and it was the Ladette culture. So it was kind of like encouraged that you go out and you don't come home, and that was acceptable. So for me, it was pretty tragic first of all not knowing what anything about my biochemistry and secondly society is kind of like encouraging it and I'm easily led because if people like me great you know so it was kind of one of those but that was 13 years ago I put the booze down and then did I only start realizing five years after that that I was misdiagnosed and I needed to get in tune with my own body and my own mind and my own mechanisms, the mechanisms of alcohol, the mechanisms of depression, the mechanisms of low self-esteem, then I could fix myself. And this is where I am today. Slightly more fixed. (laughs) (laughs) Slightly, yeah. I love it. It's progress, not perfection. (laughs) But I just, that's what I say to people all the time. You don't take a course or learn something or, you know, see a holistic therapist. And then you're like, it's a constant journey of working on ourselves and optimizing our health. And, you know, you say about no trauma. um, 
and I get exactly what you mean but equally we've all got things that we're working through you know conditioning that we have to kind of reprogram and that's forever yeah this is it I mean just for example I'm friends with Dr Tim Speck Professor Tim Spector and he kind of like put the stamp of approval on my book which felt great to me because I'm like there's a professor and he likes me he said yeah um so but I was talking to him about his twin study he's a professor at King's and he looks into the gut microbiome he's the head of the Zoe project and he's just got an MBE for all his work with uh, tracking COVID, you know, but he is fascinating and he has been looking at identical twins with obviously the same DNA and their predisposition for different mood disorders and eating and obesity is completely different. You've got two raised the same, same household, but because their gut microbiome is different, their thought process is different, their eating habits are different. And I mean, that is fascinating. You've got a whole different organism in your gut that's responsible for your thinking. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is just something you don't get in your local GP. Yeah. You know, if I said that to my GP, he'd say, I'm just stupid, that's pseudoscience and have some antidepressants and be on your way. Never once would they tell me to have an anti-inflammatory diet to heal my depression or look into, you know, I mean, I mean the list goes on, having raw milk. They never would say that. They'd never say that because it's the rhetoric is so dated. And unfortunately, I but I mean, the NHS killed my mum of cancer when she was 27, you know, so I'm forever grateful to them. But it's like it's a fast and moving world today. We are different. We all need different right. treatments. We all need different considerations. And I've just had a bit of a row with a doctor on Instagram who said that, you know, I'm, I'm touting pseudoscience to get paid. I, said, I don't get paid. Darling, I'm not an influencer. I'm not, I don't get paid. I don't affiliate. I'm selling a book and I can guarantee you, I hardly get a penny from this. You know, it all goes to the publisher and it all goes to Amazon. I'm just trying to put things in order for people who you can't help because it's out of their textbook. It's not part of their sort of rhetoric. So, I mean, the amount of conversations I've had with GPs, I've had far more powerful conversations with mums with other alcoholics, with other athletes, with fellow survivors like yourself of chronic disease. That's where the information is. It's people who've been there, done that, and tried something that's a little bit different. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to be a doctor. I don't want to go through textbooks, you know. I like to adapt and change my beliefs as something else happens, you know. It's like yourself, you've mentioned about, you know, uh, working with a shaman. Can you imagine that in my local GP? No, but hang on, we've got thousands of years of history saying it works, but because it's not in their standard textbook, yeah, it's not true. And I mean, the crazy thing is you have a GP because uh, we have a business in Spain, so I've got a doctor in Spain as well for the children. Now, what she says is different to the UK because they've got a different syllabus. Right, yeah, yeah, so exactly. Like, well, I mean, I mean, for example, you can get melatonin for your dogs and for your kids there, but you can't get it in the UK. You can get GABA, a hormone that reduces anxiety in the supermarket, but here it's banned. I mean, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're just so closed in. Yeah. And it's such a shame because if we if functional doctors, GPs and survivors can all work together. What a powerful, what a powerful place we, we be in. And that's why I really like my doctor, Dr. Tamsin Lewis, because she's an ex-Ironman athlete. She's suffering with long COVID at the moment. She's a functional doctor and she's a GP. So, you know, there's like four things there that I'm like, yeah, okay, you, you, you're, you're getting somewhere. You're thinking completely outside the box. And 
that's what I want. I hate textbook thinking because I've never once fitted into a textbook. No, I don't know but who you. does? Who does? The thing Nobody. is, they do. And people who kind of agree with the, the, the narrative and want to go along with it because they think it's keeping them safe. But actually, if you take anyone's physiology and look at it, no one, like you said about the twin study, no one fits in to a box or what's written in a textbook. And the, and the point, the problem is, and that's what I always found in my journey is that it's just a one size fits all. You know, when I was wheeled into my rheumatologist in a wheelchair and she'd been treating me since I was four years old and she didn't bat an eyelid that I was in a wheelchair and just told me that I was in the 30% of people that the drug didn't work for and that was her understanding of it you were a percentage again I was a statistic I was a percentage and that it was at that point that I was like no I'm not going to do this I was 18 and I left her her clinic and I never went back and uh, she might have been to medical school and the rest of it but I've now been studying this stuff for 20 years and I don't think I'm any less that my research and my knowledge is any less valid because I haven't been to medical school. I've done my own medical school, you know, yeah. and, it, and, it, and it is. It's yeah. like if it wasn't done in a scientific lab experiment, it doesn't hold as much validity. But then you've got the corruption there, which for me takes away from the yeah. Exactly. And also it's like, you know, um, I think our, the diet that the NHS um, recommends, I think it's paid for by the agricultural industry or something like that. You know, I mean, most that of it plate, is like whole grains. Crazy. I'm like, what? Since when was a whole grain more nutritious than beef liver? Right. What? Or bioavailable? And I've never bloated once with beef liver in my entire life. Plus I mean, I need B vitamins. I get depressed, you know? I need B vitamins. I need iron. I've got four kids. Of course we do, you know? Yeah. But it's like, I think ever since like maybe pre- post-war, everything just went to shit, really. Mm. And, you know, and everything became became a one size fits all. And, you know, it's nice to have guidelines if you're completely clueless. But I think when you get a bit longer in the tooth like us and you have a bit more experience with near death and complete and utter breakdown, that's when you switch into survival mode. And the average isn't good enough anymore. I don't want to be average. I want to be optimal. I don't want to be normal. I want to be optimal. The normal range in the UK, the average range to me in the UK doesn't look healthy. I don't want to be normal. I want to be excited, creative, happy, full of energy, optimistic, because I've been on the flip side of that where I've taken a knife to my wrist, you know? So what? (laughs) There's a journey for everyone. And I think just knowing the mechanics of your problem, like the root cause, is such a relief because then finally you've got an end goal you know you've got a finish line and you can strive towards it you know and, and that's for me the journey I mean don't get me wrong the flag will move all the time but at least you've got your eye on the prize absolutely and that is that is exciting fun fact humans take in more information in one day now than they did in their entire lives in the 1700s no wonder we're overwhelmed our brains and bodies simply haven't evolved to manage this level of stress. And until that evolution happens, if we want to be well in mind and body, we need things that help alleviate this stress. For me, one of the key tools in my daily wellness toolkit that does this is the Sensate. And if you've been here a while, you'll know how genuinely obsessed I am with this product. It is a piece of health tech that fits in the palm of your hand, and it basically sends infrasonic waves through the chest to activate the vagus nerve and calm the autonomic nervous system 
while you listen to the specially composed audio within the app. I usually use the Sensate for 10 to 20 minutes before I sleep to reduce cortisol levels, calm my brainwave states from the hectic day, and send me into a deep sleep. Clients or friends of mine who have a Sensate have told me that their sleep has never been so good. People who usually struggle with sleep just wake up in the same position they went to sleep in. Everyone needs a Sensate in my opinion, and I particularly recommend it to anyone who suffers from overwhelm or anxiety, and anyone who wants to deepen their meditation practice. And you can get £30 off the Sensate by visiting getsensate.com and using code LAUREN30. That's G-E-T-S-E-N-S-A-T-E dot com, LAUREN30. Thank you so much to Sensate for supporting our mission here at Reconditioned. For sure, root cause healing, because otherwise you're just putting a band-aid over it and, and you're not healing it. And then it leads to secondary problems and the rest of it. What I do want to ask, it, well, a couple of questions from what you've just spoken about is kind of with your current understanding of epigenetics, I'm a massive fan of epigenetics. Oh, yeah. I write a lot about epigenetics and with your understanding of it now, do you, has it made you see addiction in a different way? Do you see addiction still as a disease? How do you see addiction based on your understanding of epigenetics? Hmm. I think there's a... There's never sort of like one reason for addiction. I think there's a, obviously exposure, but it's we're all exposed. So we're all exposed to, uh, say, social media, but only a few of us can become addicted to it to, until, it, until it's a problem, until it takes over your life, you know? And my idea of addiction is it is more important than family and it's more important than work. And all of a sudden it's your uh, prevailing thoughts. So there's all different. I mean, you can say, oh, she's addicted to exercise. No, I'm not. I've not been for a run in a week, but I know I need to to balance my brain chemistry. I've had a cold, so I just back off from it. Mm. With wine, with me, it was on my mind 24-7 to a point where it used to wake me up. That's the difference between addiction and just doing something more than your average person, sedentary person, you know? Um, as far as epigenetics go, I think we can often inherit our parents' hormonal pathways my father is a very successful entrepreneur, so is my mom. But she, uh, but I've definitely inherited my dad's sort of how he deals with stress. It's on and off. My mom buried it. It could have been a root cause of her cancer. I don't know. But I've inherited a lot of their dopamine pathways. And I think that drive, that overachiever is in me. And I have to watch that because it can become destructive. You know, I need to pile on the serotonin which is the contentment, happy hormone, that cosy feeling you get when your family's there, or, you know, that Sunday brunch sort of feeling. I am very low on that. So I supplement with 5-HTP with that. I try and do a lot of sort of wellness protocols, a little bit of Wim Hof, that change the chemistry again, increase serotonin, which incidentally is made in the gut, manufactured in the gut. So the happy hormones in the gut. So if I pile a load of like junk food on top of it i'm inflamed and all of a sudden it's fighting these awful ingredients instead of doing its job and making serotonin and making me happy but um as far as epigenetics go there was a really interesting study that i read um an animal-based study on rats in new york a few years ago now and basically um they did uh, an experiment it's a bit graphic but it explains it really well they did an experiment on uh, male rats and uh, what they did, they had a rat in a cage and every time, and they pumped cherry blossom smell into the cage. And every time the rat went over to smell it, they gave it a slight electric shock. So it'd shudder, you know? So 
Now, this rat had a son and then a grandson. Now, then that grandson, when it smelt cherry blossom, shuddered without the electricity. Amazing. So that's inherent trauma. So you might be scared of heights. You might be scared of spiders. It could have come from your ancestors. You know, it's right. not... You know, do you know what I mean? Or you could be scared of social engagement. You could be scared of places, of people, places and things, you know, and you will never get to the root cause of it because your grandparents or your great grandparents are dead and you don't know their story. So I just think sometimes there's some ism in you. Don't question it. It's come from, I mean, remember, you know, we've had serious trauma during the first and second world war, which isn't that far away. And whatever else happened in the fifties and sixties, I don't know, but you know, just because I don't have trauma on the surface, me, there could be something that's just a little bit of dysbiosis triggering down my family genes. So I just think having an open mind on that, you go, okay, interesting, interesting. Yeah. That I could be I just actually... one of those things I'll never know, but interesting. I just I found that fascinating. If I tried to, so it wasn't just the female, it traveled down. It traveled through the sperm, that DNA message. Fascinating, okay. right? It's so fascinating. And that's why, number one, I actually dedicate a whole module to ancestral healing on my course, on my program, for that reason, because so much of our trauma is, you know, intergenerational and ancestral. Um, and we need to release that. We need to get rid of all of that in order to kind of clear all the, the detoxification pathways as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then then the other part of that, I've just forgotten. I've lost my trail of thought as I was. Oh, talking. no, no, it's fine. It's fine <laughs> because I know you're thinking about rats now. Thinking, oh, thinking about rats. Cool. Yeah. That- because any of the naysayers you need to just put them into in touch with that study and that is so bloody you know graphic cruel awful but I get it it's so easy to picture that you're like wow yeah (laughs) that that was the thought it was that when um because I also had IVF and did a lot of detox from that yeah it was a really good you know I'd kind of cleansed my body got into remission and then had to have IVF I was like um so, but that's why when it, when anyone asks me about kind of IVF and we're not falling pregnant or I fall pregnant and then I miscarry, so many variants to it, it's multifactorial, but it is just as much the sperm. So the man's body has to be in as good condition and, you know, they need to be kind of feeding themselves the right food and limiting oh, yeah. exposure to toxicity just as much as the women. The sperm is going to be a part of what happens. Yeah, that, yeah of course. Yeah, I mean, we, we forget about it. A lot of the pressure is put on the woman, you know, but yeah. I mean, I look I look at my kids and it's like I had nothing to do with it, <laughs> except for one. But I mean, the naughty one is me. But I just look at it, it's like, there's, it's like I just like, I don't know. It, it, I, literally, they're 100% their dad, you know? And you're just like, God, all that effort doesn't look like me, doesn't look like me, you know? Oh, well, so that's just the ego kicking in. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do wonder, so your friends from back in your party days, do any of them take on board anything you're doing now or any of them interested in it? Are they, do they think you're crazy? Yeah, I mean, a, lot, a lot of my friends have done the 180 as well. Like I said, it's, it's you kick into survival mode and it's you do or die, really. And I suppose you can just like put the drink down and hope for the best. But I think there's a bigger there's a bigger conversation to be had. So, like I said, I, I don't want to live normally. I want to live optimally. I want to live as high and happy as I was before it all came crashing down, you know, and um, obviously without substances. But it's incredibly it's incredibly freeing to know I, I'm not just the only one who's got to do this. You know, there's, and it's not just me and my old uh, party buddies. It's literally most of the population who were born in the 70s and 80s were all like, oh, let's call this back. You know, it's either that or let's hit midlife, really lethargic, 
mm. overweight, unable to get out of bed with zest, and it's the brain fog. And what happened with me and what drove me to just go to Instagram to start documenting it, because I didn't set out to write a book or anything. And uh, it was a friend of mine at the school gates who said, you know, you've got all these biohacks and all this all this information. Where, where can I read about it? I said, well, nowhere. Just, you know, text me and I'll tell you what I'm doing. She said, no, put it on Instagram with pictures so I can, like, screenshot it. And I did, and I just had, like, you know, about 20 mums from school following me. And then when I put the before and after picture on, then the Daily Mail passive-aggressive press, um, they picked up on it and then they obviously it exploded because there's so many other women there who can relate to that before picture of me, inflamed, and I think I've got it here, actually. I don't know if you can see it. Yeah, I've seen that one, yeah. So that one there, I've got my knees swollen, my arms swollen, my, everything was like a bruise, you know? And um, I was wading through gel and I was feeling very lacklustre and very vulnerable. Very vulnerable, as I used to think that if, if someone chased me, I've not got a sprint in me, you know? And so that that was kind of like where I was thinking. And then I started biohacking and that was my after picture. And then the mail picked up and then and then eventually last lockdown, I got sort of so many followers and so much sort of like um interaction because I, I like I like talking to strangers, as you might notice. Yeah, I do, yeah. <laughs> and I respond to everyone personally. And uh, like I said, I'm not affiliated, so I don't get paid. It's kind of a hobby. But Pippa, a lady, a publisher from Orion said, this is a mess. It's all over the place. And I want to put it in a book for you because everyone's like, where'd you start? So she uh, she just gave me sort of like first book contract. Like I said, it's there's no money exchanged. It's just there. And it's easy for me to say, go there, turn to page one, see if you relate to anything and implement a few biohacks. And the more you stack them, the more results you'll get and that's how it arrives organically really nothing contrived no sort of PR campaign or anything just yeah. a lot of women like school gate mums going what the f is up with me yeah. and just not getting the answers down the normal avenues and so many mixed messages by diet companies and right. big institutions and industrial food companies you know just jumping on bandwagons so I think for me because I don't get paid and I don't have any sort of like if revenue stream from this you know I've got another business in Spain that that's where we get our bread and butter from gluten-free bread of sourdough bread oh, really? that's uh, but that, that's, that, that's how we make our money so I just think it's just a stronger thing because I'm a consumer and I think consumer to consumer advice is the most powerful if you've been there done that and you survived it what's the secret and there's loads of secrets there's loads of secrets that just aren't in mainstream anymore I don't know why because maybe it's because like you said it's industry-backed studies or it just takes too long for the testing to come out you know I think it took 20 years for the um for the uh guidelines to say that sheep is bad 20 years of testing look at tobacco yeah (laughs) and I think it was it was just the dentist that brought it to the you know never mind all the the brain the the increase in ADHD and everything and all the stimuli that artificial stimuli for children with their prefrontal cortex not even developed it was the dentist who said to kids teeth are rotting let's look into sugar mm. i mean it's crazy that we don't look at right. diet as a as a medicine I but know. we don't and it's crazy it's, to me that people still kind of follow the the mainstream narrative i mean for it's, me, it's, it's they're, 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 fr- they're frightened because people yeah. in white coats since two generations ago are deemed gods yeah and they're not, they're just other human beings with their own problems, with their own brain fog, with their own. And it's the ones who cross over who have both, who I have the biggest respect for, you know, who yeah. just go, hang on, 
that's not quite right. I mean, I understand as a society, we have to work as a unit and I do go along with lots of government guidelines, but when it comes to me as a recovering alcoholic, I'm the expert, not them. Mm, absolutely yeah it's interesting what you said about the crossover so when I was in the NDU clinic where you and I quite have kind of uh, merged for that reason um I sat next to a lady there and we got talking and she is a GP and I said I was kind of confused because she was asking about all my stuff and she was really into it and I said oh doesn't that kind of don't you get bothered about all the guidelines and everything you have to and she said you know what I do I said because you seem like you're quite holistic you're sitting here in a biological dentistry (laughs) clinic about to have a holistic dental treatment done and she said well what the reason I do it is because I'm the first port of call for people so what I can do is when they come to me and they say they're depressed or they're this or they're that I tell them how to change their diet I tell them you know to go Uh open water swimming I tell them to drink water yeah and, she's yeah. t- and I was like, if there were only more people like you, you know, so she- I think, I, I think there's more and more seeing it because, I mean, you can't know that and because primarily you go into medicine to help people, but you can't just be given, say, with perimenopausal women, knowing damn well it's the menopause, antidepressants for a hormonal problem. Right. I mean, you can't keep doing that knowing what you know. I mean, the, the information's out there. They're not blind to it. They can't just dismiss it because- their guidelines say these are clever intelligent studious people you know so I think it's a matter of just a few years before we start getting an explosion of saying okay do you want a functional doctor or do you want a regular GP which one do you want to go for yeah it's definitely starting to happen and I love seeing because now with Instagram and all social media it has opened a massive world of this and I love seeing all these doctors who are kind of leaving the conventional route and kind of being functional doctors and you know doing all sorts of amazing stuff and raising awareness on Instagram about all the things people can do to optimize their health. Yeah, and, and do you know what? And it's like keep 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 your GPs and your hospitals for the for the stuff that's emergency. Yeah. You know, yeah. of course they they'll fix you if you've got a broken arm or your right. heart. I mean, they're brilliant at surgery. Come and hey, you know. But otherwise, it's the, do you know what there is? There's no prevention. Right, and um, that's it. Yeah, that's that, that's, that's well, I want to keep it empty so that when you do go to the doctor, they go, "Oh, right, let's spend half an hour with you. Let's dig into this." <laughs> but instead, you've got three minutes and you've got antidepressants. In fact, it was just luck of the draw that um, I, because I got I got diagnosed, as I said, with bipolar and uh, depression after I had my first son, and for five years I was on that medication, serious medication, heavy, heavy doses, day in, day out, going through my liver. I was ballooning, um, as you can see on the picture. But we moved house in London. We went from, uh, I think it was NW1 over to W10. So we swapped uh, doctors because I had the children. I needed to re-register them. And I wasn't going in for me. There was nothing wrong with me, I thought. And he had he said, let's have a look at your notes. A much younger doctor. He was about 28. Dr. Sajid, I'll always remember him. NHS doctor. And he said, what on earth is this? What do you want? What's your story? And I told him, and he's like, this is way wrong. This is wrong. Let's get you off this. This isn't right at all. And I explained it to him and my story and, you know, to the extent of what I was drinking, he's like, no, 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 no. This, this is lazy. This is lazy. Let's get you off this. And it took me a month to come off everything, and I did. And things started to make a bit more sense, and that's when I sort of, became a bit more in control of my flatline mood I started feeling joy started feeling sadness I started becoming a human being and I started getting excited about life and that was just because I moved house 
Why? Can you imagine? Otherwise, I'd probably still be a bipolar, depressed mum of four who uh, couldn't get out of bed very well. So it was this Dr. Sajid that started you on this journey, really, then? Yeah, and he, he wasn't a functional doctor. He wasn't a holistic yeah. doctor. He was just a GP in a different... Just someone who took an interest in actually what's yeah, going on. Yeah, he just looked at me and went... I mean, maybe he was, he was younger and he was just a little bit more excited about his job, but what a great guy. Do you know, I, I feel like, like going to see him and giving him a cuddle, yeah, obviously, not yet, but I, I will do. And I'm going to tell him my story and say it's down to you that, you know, things started changed because people are on antidepressants for 30, 40 years, you know? Absolutely. So how did you actually get into then the biohacking, like the really oh, serious okay. side of it? So uh, it happened when my mum got cancer and um, she was told there was nothing more they could do for her when we were in Manchester and an Iranian lady told me about a clinic in Germany so it was a last ditch attempt I was heavily pregnant with my number three at that point and um so it was over there that uh we're talking quite a few years ago now eight years ago and it was over there that they um showed me that they could uh, dissect the tumor take a biopsy from the tumor and look at its DNA and target it with bespoke sort of chemo and they did shrink the, shrink the cancer but she, she was very ill with scoliosis and other sorts of ailments that have been uh, throughout her life she was quite a sick woman anyway but it was then that I had a DNA test to see if I was carrying the BRCA gene because she died of breast cancer and it was just that targeted treatment the DNA test that made me look into DNA and then everything started getting a little bit interesting and a lot of answers started coming up, and particularly with the epigenetics and with my predisposition, ancestral history of being able to detox alcohol. Because until then, it was just God's will because I come through the doors of AA, which is great for a lot of people, but 90% of people in AA relapse. So I think it was great. It was developed back in the 30s, and it's all to do with God, and it was a Christian movement. But right now, I think we're. I'm a bit more into the mechanics of it as opposed to the spirituality of it. And, you know, just going to AA meetings four times a week. It's, you know, it's nice. You build your serotonin up. That's what the community does. You build serotonin. But I generally do that with the protocols I do. And um, I just don't touch a drop of alcohol anymore because I don't have the cravings. So that's great. But that's basically where it started through the death of my mother and the technology I saw in Germany was next level. So it was it was fascinating. It, it gave me hope as well. And it made me think, God, I wish I could live in 100 years time and see, see what they've got then. But, you know, um, but yeah, it was through tragedy, really. And again, that survival mode kicked in. I suddenly became an expert reading, 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 trying to save my mom. And that gives you that motivation to suddenly get into textbooks that you never normally open. So, yeah, it's sad that we most of us get into these sorts of things to any sort of like you know self-optimization simply you know when something bad happens it leads us to yeah. it, as opposed to kind of being taught from a very young age how to yeah. keep our minds and bodies healthy how to release emotion how to you know yeah and it's like when you have your kid you know I've got one kid with ADHD and I'm like I consider myself an expert on it now because I live with a child with it you know and I'm trying to get him the best help possible and I've spoke to a million experts you know and it's a fascinating um neurodiversity and once harnessed it can be a superpower but of course society isn't quite ready for that yet yeah but I've, you know as long as I can nurture him you nurture him right and uh, show him 
because I've definitely got ADD as well. You know, I'm very sort of, I think they call me Dolly Daydream in school, you know, scatty. And then after you get careless and uh, forgetful. And when you get that label, you'll start acting out. Because right, because the label enables enables it. This is me, and it gives you that identity, and we we work based off of our identity, the identity we've given ourselves or other people have given us. Yeah, yeah. so maybe that is a little bit of trauma I've got, but I am a dog daydream. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> cool, I can drift, you know. And yeah. I'm not one of these people who can multitask. You know, some people who can text and talk. I'm like, stop, because I'll send something totally wrong to the wrong email address. So just let me get, um. Yeah, know. yeah. And that's why I use I, I use a lot of uh, caffeine and I use kombucha and that seems to just get my dopamine neurons uh, receptors firing so I get some order in my head. I'm very much a morning person. I know that now, you know. Yeah, I'm the same. So when you say caffeine, are you drinking bulletproof coffee or what coffee are you drinking? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I um, I, I sometimes don't have the butter in it, but um, I I generally have it as a powder. I just find the fibre is a bit softer on my gut, particularly before I work out. Otherwise, I get a little bit of acid reflux. But I use MCT oil a lot. I use it in bone broth as well. I whiz it up, add a bit of sea salt, and it tastes a bit like a cup of soup. Yeah. Uh, they've got a great uh, Planet Paleo. I've got a brilliant um, uh, bone broth in powder form. Just keep it yeah. in your cupboard and whiz it up, and it's like a great snack. You know, all those bioavailable enzymes, which is brilliant. So for me, it's about is my food functional before is it tasty and I can always make it tasty you know there's a million condiments we can use now and um yeah so basically I'm always trying to heal that gut because that's where my happy hormone is right absolutely so what what does your kind of daily routine look like I know that obviously depending on what's going on in every day it's going to change but what things do you do every day for your health optimization okay so uh, on a good I work with my cycle so I make sure okay. that, um, so, so mid-cycle, uh, when my estrogen's at its highest, my motivation's strongest, I'll, um, I'll generally fast to about two o'clock, but I won't like do a zero calorie fast. I'll do a fat fast. So I'll make sure I've got MCT in me. And um, I will probably go for about 7K run, slow and steady. I've found that doing something too hard or too long can inflame me and affect my mood. So when I did the marathon, I noticed a mood dip for a good three days. Mm. Same with the half marathon I experimented with a few weeks ago. A couple of days, my inflammation was up, my mood was low. So I've now stepped away from that egotistical long distance, look what I've done, because it makes me miserable. So I think my sweet spot is about 7K. I do it pretty slow and steady, listen to house music. And most people like like listening to like the binaural beats or something. There's something in the music that motivates me. You're still, you're still a 90s party girl at heart, right? <laughs> on a podium in Manchester. It's three in the morning. Um, but, you know, it gives me goosebumps and it makes me happy. So it, whatever sort of like rocks your world. And so we're talking about a 7K run in a fasted state. Then I'll come back. Um, I will probably have electrolytes, um, a load of water. Then again, I'll have another coffee organic coffee with some more um mct or whizzed up this time so i'll have a thick one that'll keep me away from picking or craving sugar then about two o'clock i'll break my fast bit of celery juice if i want to not too often maybe about twice a week or something There's great minerals in there and it really gets the bowels moving and then i'll start eating 
and I would probably have a big piece of meat. I will have hunter and gather mayonnaise that's made with avocado oil, no sunflower oil. Sunflower oil is no no for me. Veg oil is a no no. Rapeseed oil, no no. And um, I'm pretty poor on vegetables, I'll be honest with you. It's not my go to at all. I'm not a big vegetable fan. I mean, they kind of bloat me. And I know I've got to have more greens because. My nutritionist said, but it's an uphill battle with me. So sometimes I'll make a green smoothie just to get it down me. But yeah. a lot of the uh, a lot of a lot of the ingredients, um, like your spinach, etc., and kale, are seriously inflammatory. So you know they've got defense mechanisms on the plants that um, you need to look into if you bloat with them. Just be careful that you're not causing yourself more damage than good. But um, yeah, I'm rubbish with veg. Um, and the kids will be the kids will be home at this point, and I'll generally eat until about ten o'clock, which isn't ideal, but it's kind of like my downtime. So I'll have sourdough bread with grass-fed butter on, like Kerrygold and some honey on, and I'll have a lot of unpasteurized cheese. I'm really into raw cheese because of the microbes in there. I like to populate my gut. Again, protecting that gut-brain axis and getting more microbes in there so they can make more serotonin. And at night, once I've got the kids to bed, which is uh, endurance um I will probably sit I've got a little sauna pod that you get off Amazon um and it's about 200 pounds and I bought it because when we went into lockdown I couldn't go to my gym and I've been doing infrared saunas it really helps me with SAD I get really depressed under low skies mm. I feel the pressure in my head and as you can see it on a barometer anyway you know that low pressure causes that sort of claustrophobic feeling in your head and up the back of your neck so I will do about 40 minutes in the sauna and I'll finish off with a cold shower down, focusing up the top of my neck, down my vagus nerve, which has got all your nerves in, which helps your digestive system and it calms you down, parasympathetic nervous system, um, all lovely, happy hormones and then I'll go to sleep. I'll probably oh, take a ton of magnesium as well, tons of magnesium, tons of fiber HTP and I'll go to sleep. I love it. Talk us through the MCT oil quickly. Okay, so MCT oil is derived from uh, the coconut. It's a medium chain triglyceride. So basically it's got about, well, the one I prefer has got eight carbon atoms. So your average sunflower has got about 48 carbon atoms. So it gives you a bit of idea. It is processed by the liver and then it shoots up to the brain and it crosses the blood brain barrier, which gives you that sharp focus. And that's why I like it. It's a brain food. And it's proven, you know, you can see, uh, I think it's Dave Asprey at Bulletproof, um, one of the, one of his posts, he's got a study where you can see in an MRI scan, the actual brain mechanisms light up with MCTs. So they've proven it, but of course it's going to take 20 years for that to become available yeah. on the NHS or whatever, or in mainstream media, mainstream medicine. Um, so yeah, I find that really helps me with particularly my scatty thinking. You know, like the, the ADD, it really helps me tune in, focus, get some paperwork done, which is my idea of hell. <laughs> and uh, yeah, focus on, you know, trying to make some money in Spain and, you know, keep the kids healthy and juggle, you know, different dads and moving house, two dogs and just all the stuff that really gets you down. I, I try and keep myself on top of it. Amazing. And just because I, I don't drink coffee, I don't have caffeine at all. So, but I am a fan of Bulletproof and I'm a massive fan of Dave Asprey. 
Um, what um, does he put the MCT oil in the coffee, or do you put it separately? Do you have your own brand that you put in? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I chop and change to be honest, but I generally go for it. He's quite overpriced because you've got to pay the import on it as well. So to be honest, I uh, just I try all different types of brands. Uh, I'm using uh, Pure Health supplements at the moment. They've got a big bottle of um, CA oil. Right. Uh, it's something I'd love to be able to do just like get a basic range and just like get it out to people but because I, I never know the due diligence that they've done with products I want to know that it's come from a sustainable farm that the farmers have been paid okay that it's not had pesticides all over it you know I, I, I just don't, I don't trust anyone now I don't trust anyone to sell me something if it's you know it's, it's like the low fat movement so right. no one questioned it like low fat great but what the hell else is in it so I'm a, I'm a stickler for labels and I can see so much misleading information on there. And I'm like, but where is it from? Who picked it? Who's manufactured it and where, you know? So I, uh, I like a company called Provenance who uh, do all that due diligence for you. So that I, I noticed a lot of their, um, they're doing sort of lots of collaborations with companies at the moment. So I'm going to look out for them to see who they give the tick and seal of approval to. But yeah, I'm using Pure Health Supplements for a C8 MCT oil. And I, do you know what? I think they do a powder as well. So a powder is probably easier if you're just new to MCT. Yeah. It doesn't give you the buzz that the MCT oil does, but it'll definitely tamper down those sugar cravings for bread and cereal, et cetera, in the morning. I see a potential new business venture happening here. Oh, my God, yeah. But, oh, yeah, but let me just get the kids out the door first. Oh, my God, that is like... I no idea, but it's like the rouse. I can only imagine. I've got, I've got one of each, and it's, as it is, hectic, juggling business and everything. So I can only imagine. Um, do you do a lot of tracking, a lot of bio-tracking? Yeah, yeah, so um, that's my aura ring. I think the most important thing you can track is your sleep and your temperature. I also track my period. Like I said, I exercise in line with my period. So uh, I'm actually perimenopausal now. So I don't think I'll get the four day dip because I'm now taking in estrogen. Um, because Tamsin said you're at suicide levels of low estrogen, wow. which correlates to why I took a knife to my wrist when I'd had my first son. Mm. But obviously I get accused of being a crazy person, yeah, yeah. not a hormonal person, you know, mm. and that's that's how the court works. Um but the mainstream world works and not understanding women, how women's minds and bodies No, work. because we're too complicated. So yeah. most studies are yeah. done on men and we just have the dose halved. Because yeah. but we are not just small men, we're totally different yeah. to men. But anyway, I think that's just a matter of time before that has to change. We're just too complicated and too expensive to study. Yeah, could have told them that, you know, well, I, mean, I just do N of one, you know, I will do what works on me, put that out there and you could, you know, it, it might work on you, it might not. Chances are, if you're a 43 year old woman heading into perimenopause, there might be something there that you find interesting and it could be worthwhile investigating. And that's my kind of point. Yeah. You know, investigate, know yourself, get to know your own biology, that sort of thing. I think that's paramount. Know your mechanics before anyone else tells you something. Absolutely. I think that's where we're going wrong is that we are seeking this kind of external advice on how to treat our own bodies. And one of the best doctors, one of the best rheumatologists I ever saw said to my mum, you know her better and you know what's going on and you know her better than any doctor. Because at the time, you know, my mum was taking me for all these tests. I, I wasn't even two. And they were saying, you know, it was growing pains, it was this, it was that. And she said, no, there is something 
yeah. going on. She knew it was like systemic chronic. She didn't have the words for it yet. It was 1980. Okay, yeah. Never, but yeah. she knew like that's what it was. And all the doctors told her she was wrong and she was mad and da, da, da. And especially when she decided to go the homeopathy route. And oh. um, yeah, instead of... Well, you can be done for child neglect that right be. now you could with yeah. cancer and all sorts of things yeah I actually you were mentioning about the clinic in Germany I just a few weeks ago had um Jeff Weitzman on the show who um who produced the film Cancer Can Be Killed um and he he took his wife to the one of the clinics in Germany and created this whole film based on how cancer can be killed with the right prevention and knowing how to treat it when it does come um but yeah, that's the thing, knowing your own physiology, understanding how the body works, as opposed to this symptom has happened and I'm going to not look where it's come from. I'm just going to go and I'm going to take a medication. Well, it's not a symptom. It's a side effect of something. It's a side effect yeah. of you know, our lifestyle. And people often don't want to be told that because it puts us in this kind of um, you know, blame game. And it's not about blame. For me, it was okay. I'm 18 going on 19 now and I've put chemo in me, steroids anti-neuralgia medication uh you know we've also gone down the holistic route what what has been wrong where did it start so we went right back where did it start and we found the root cause and we worked from the root cause and did all the detox and let me look at my genetics let me understand about my genetics let me understand yeah. my blood type let me understand the ancestral element and then as opposed instead of putting a band-aid on it I can fix it from there but the problem is is we're just so not geared up to understanding that that is what health optimization is. It's about understanding your own physiology. And it's actually easier. It's, it's easier, it is, isn't yeah. it? It's so much easier. It's so much quicker, which, uh, which is what I'm, I'm baffled by. I just don't understand the economic benefit for us, not to, to, for us not to take that on board. You know, the NHS is crippled. It's a brilliant institution. Why can't we... Um, help them out and <laughs> stop people coming in in the first place i don't i don't get that i don't see the the economic upturn of that at all well that's another story all in its own because <laughs> i think above the nhs and above the government then you've got big pharma and it's all feeding down from there so we we think that the nhs I, mean, I, think, I feel like i feel like the government is like you are really clever guys and you're not you, you've got it all in front of you why aren't you adhering to it because you look at boris johnson was in right. hospital because of you know, COVID and how ill he was, clearly inflamed. It's crazy, isn't it? It's like, you guys know the truth. Why are you not bothered about it? Everyone just doesn't mind being sick and tired, clearly. Maybe that's what it is. I hate being sick and tired. It's rubbish. It's torture. Yeah. I hate craving and I hate being sick and tired. Three things I just don't want in my life. So I'm not prepared to compromise on all my weird and wonderful biohacks because there's three things I hate more than being criticised, and that's being ill, yeah, <laughs> tired and uncreative. It's there's nothing worse. Yep. One of your biohacks is takeaways. I saw on the weekend you had a takeaway, and you biohacked your takeaway, and this is fascinating stuff to me. So talk mm -hmm. us through that. Okay, so um, there's a lot, like you know, we've got pretty neuroplastic brains, but there's something that's hardwired in me to sort of crave a takeaway every so often on a oh, Saturday. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. And it's sort of like, I think it sits in my brain on a Wednesday. So by Saturday, it's unbearable, one of those cravings. So instead of sort of fighting it and having a craving for another week, I'll just get it over and done with. But what I'll do is um, I'll take activated charcoal tablets. Now, you can't have those if you're on medicine because it's super absorbent. But it will, in fact, they use it in hospitals for alcohol poisoning. And drug overdoses. Yeah, it's super absorbent. It's like... Phew, it will grab onto all those toxic M uh, MSG and uh, 
oils and in fact corella will as well corella is really good for those vegetables yeah, particularly if you're on a vegan diet because those vegetables are everywhere mm-hmm. so a corella corella is really good for vegans because it's a great protein and it's highly absorbent and uh, so i have corella and i'll have activated charcoal and i'll probably have a shot of apple cider vinegar beforehand so i don't which levels your insulin out so you won't have a sugar rush and then a drop off so you'll end up eating more you know so you end up overeating and getting bloated so basically that's what i do before and after i'll have activated charcoal some corella probably apple cider vinegar beforehand and then at night i'll have some sort of like detox tea there's a pharmacy in Hampstead that I came across a few years ago who sells like this detox tea and it's like rocket fuel. It tastes disgusting, but <laughs> you know, it just gets things moving. I mean, as, as celery juice would or something, you know, it, it just gets the bowels moving. So um, yeah, I just get it out of me as soon as possible. And then that's craving satisfied without the hangover, I guess, and without the inflammation. I mean, it's not ideal. It's not ideal, but you know, life is not to live, right? Like we are still living in. This yeah. Place. And to be honest, I don't know why I do it because it's not living. And I, I'm, as I'm eating, I'm thinking this is disgusting. The poor animals have been through hell. The food's disgusting. It's complete. I'm paying a fortune and uh, I, I hate it every time. But hey, <laughs> this is what I do. I mean, that's that's me. I'm definitely not perfect. I'm no Gwyneth Paltrow or any one of the good lot. You know, we're talking basement Chinese takeaway here. Oh, Nothing really? <laughs> And just awful but anyway it yeah. is what it is I hack around it and then I forgive myself and I move on yeah I think my my compromise with with takeaways is so I don't eat non-organic meat so I won't I'll only eat meat right. that I've sourced myself so if, if I ever get a takeaway it's it's just going to be veggie stuff because that is yeah. kind of where where I draw the line but well done um, you I mean, I'll try that actually <laughs> yeah because you know what you can and then if we get an Indian takeaway I'll have something and I'll just ask them not to put the sugar in it as well so like I love paneer. That's tea. not going to happen in Cleveland. Trust me, they'll laugh their heads off. Oh, really? So we've got a great Indian by us, and they they know me, and they they'll just I love paneer tikka masala, which is one of the, like the fattiest, like ickiest things you can get. But I just ask them to take the sugar out, and then I just yeah, it's but what, what, what I find worse than sugar is the veg oil. Um, yeah, then literally, I think the body understands sugar even refined sugar, it converts it to glucose and you can burn it off through physical exercise. So I do 10 lunges or 20 lunges after sugar. Veg oil, it's not got a clue. It's no. never meant to be in our food uh, in our food chain. Sugar has been around for millennia. Fruit, veg, of course it has honey and it has enzymes in and everything. So it's a different type of sugar. Mm. But I think the body can, okay, we've got sugar here, we'll break it down, adios, gone. Yeah. Or it stores as fat. But veg oil can penetrate the cell walls. Yeah, but I think that's where the depression comes. I think that's where the inflammation comes. I think that's where even the arthritis comes. I think it's the veg oil that is the problem. Yeah, yeah, more than anything. You're very right. Yeah. See, I'm just totally off all sugar, um, natural or refined at the moment, simply because I've you know, this infection in the yeah. tooth that I'm having treated at, at the biological dentist where we both go, um, and so I'm not having, I haven't had any kind of even natural sugar for six months. Um, amazing because obviously it's feeding the infection so once I yeah. have it taken out and, and I go through the whole treatment there then it will be a little bit easier and I will start having a little bit of fruit here and there um but refined sugar is always a known but you're so right about the veg oils they're just they're just around and, and I think what a lot of people don't realize as well is this is my my issue with baby formula that you know yeah. they use hydrogenated oils in baby formula and so you're setting the baby I, up I, apart from I, the non-organic milk coming from the cows no I know I didn't know I didn't know when I, I was feeding my kids because 
they were all, I mean, it was only after number three that I started the health kicks. And number four was raised on a sort of paleoethic type diet. And he he um, he craves cheese, not sweets. So he doesn't healthier because this is always interesting. He's pretty robust. Yeah. I mean, number three is good as well. His genetics are strong. He's got his dad's sort of like athleticism, super sharp brain. But I had Hagen does with him. So mm. but the taste preference for number four is different. He reached for cheese and meat. And whereas number three has got a sweet tooth. He was the one before I understood what was going on before my mum died. So, um, yeah, it's different how he inherited what I was eating when I was pregnant. Mm. And so did the others, you know. Number one to three, sugar monsters, pizza mm. monsters. But number four, give him uh, a steak any day. That's so interesting. See, mine are both sugar. He loves dairy as well. Yeah. You know, he has chunks of um, um, organic uh, cheese all the time, I think, in because, of course, there was, oh, my God, dairy's, you know, got to cut dairy out. But I think if you're tolerant and it's from a really good source. Well, that's the that's where ancestors yeah. thrived famine and war and migration on. So I think they did a bit better than I did with my, <laughs> with my sort of 1980s, 1990s diet. So I'm just going to roll back the clock and see what my Viking ancestors thrived on, because I'm quite sure they didn't get depressed. Where do you get your dairy from? Okay, there's a little farm near me. I'm in Lancashire at the moment. And there is an organic farm and uh, it's where I get the meat from as well. I'm going to nip up there. So it's raw milk, raw cream, raw butter mm-hmm. and organic organic meats. And, you know, that, that's their farm. I could, they're out on the pasture all the time unless it's freezing. But yeah, that's it. And I know where it's from. I think farming's cruel. I think it's... Uh, sorry about that. I think... Um, I think farming is cruel. I think eating meat is cruel, but it's essential for my survival. I don't like it. It's horrible. I like animals, but I I need my mental health. And I don't think we're there yet as lab-grown meat can touch the sides with what Mother Nature did. We've had millions of years of evolution. And I just just think the, the vegan phenomenon is a little bit misleading. And it's just another avenue for food companies to make revenue with processed food again, making us all really ill. Highly sugary, highly veg oily, super cheap with a green tick on it. And I think it's really misleading again. And all our teenagers are like striving to be healthy, but being misled. I'm paying a premium. I'm paying it with their health. So, you know, I, I don't like farming. I don't like animals being killed. I don't like it, but I, I agree. what I can do right now. It's interesting because yeah. the episode before yours, so last week's episode, is with uh, Dr. Rimka, um, who's a brain coach. Um, she's in Atlanta and Georgia. I don't know if you follow her. She's pretty amazing. But what I did was I wanted to do two episodes, one with a plant-based expert and one with a... Oh, interesting. I was vegetarian for a long time for ethical reasons. Yeah. Like you, I don't like the idea of animals being killed for my benefit. Yeah. I have a real, a real ethical problem with it. But every single holistic practitioner I've ever been to has put me back on meat when I've come yeah. off it. And when I was at the end of my last pregnancy, I had planned a home birth and my iron was so low. Nothing I was doing naturally to get iron was pushing it up. And the midwife said, they're not going to let you have a home birth. And right. the homeopath said, Lauren, please eat a steak, please. So I got my husband to stop at Dalesford in uh, yeah. on the way home and yeah. have a steak. And I always joke that probably the people who have listened to the previous two episodes have heard this a million times, but I always joke this like Popeye when Popeye eats the spinach and his muscles just pop up. That's what it was like for me. And I was like, ah, okay, my body kind of needs me. And then again, looking at the genetic aspect, the blood aspect, the ancestral aspect, all of it. And so last week, 
Dr. Rimka spoke about meat and how we need it and how, you know, and how there is kind of this element to why we need meat and what it's doing for us that plants alone can't do. Mm-hmm. And it's been a really interesting journey for me because obviously coming from the side of it of really ethically, I don't agree with it. I don't, I don't, no, I don't. I don't what can we do? Humane way of killing animals. I don't equally, the shaman I work with has a very interesting perspective of it. And he's the most loving he just operates out of loving kindness and his perspective. And I'm not going to articulate this as well as he does or get his point across, but about, you know, it is about the cycle of life. And as long as you're eating at healthy animals who are raised, you know, well, and you're not having this like factory farmed animal, yeah. um, you know, that you will eat that and then you will die and you will go back into the earth and the animals will eat the grass that grow on top of that. And it's this, you know, this right, symbiosis yeah. and this, this yeah. cycle of life. And so it does it make me feel better ethically? No, I'm always going to have a little bit of a problem with it. But I, I equally know now that my body personally needs yeah. some animal protein. And there's no way. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, there's a few genetic uh, variants that can thrive on a vegan diet. I think there's like very, very few profiles, but like 99% of the population do need it. And uh, it can cause depression and, you know, aggression. So, yeah. you know, the last thing you want is aggressive people and particularly raising kids. It's a, it's a, top world as it is so you know yeah I, I, I don't like it I mean I, I run past sheep and I run past cows and my heart sinks every time yeah. you know but I'm like what can I do I just, I, we don't have the technology yet it's just not there it's on its way but I don't think in our lifetime we'll be able to have something that is bioavailable yeah. and our body can read and register because we're just many computers you can read the coding for that that type of nutrition I don't think you can get it from 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 a lab just yet one day maybe so before we wrap up your book it's not a diet as you have mentioned it um what I love about it is although it's called it's not a diet it really isn't about weight loss and trying to get people to you know be fit and thin it's not about that at all so uh, a little bit of an overview but just give a quick overview of what the book's about okay so it's in four parts and the first one I think is the most important is mood so I say that all movement begins in the brain, whether you're reaching for biscuits or you're reaching for your trainers. Um, I think if you can nail your mood, you can do anything, whether your penchant is to write a book or to run a marathon. Once your mood's in order, everything slots into place. So for me, it's a case of feeding the brain and the body will follow. I've put some movement in there. I've put some recipes in there. I've put loads of biohacks in there just to tweak that mood and it's not expensive either so I mean I've done cryotherapy it's like 90 pound for three minutes I don't do that anymore I I can't afford that so I just have a cold bath and particularly in winter you get it really cold because our tanks are much more cold than they are in summer so you can start now and brace yourself for that February temperature but you know you, you can you can start with a hot bath some magnesium in there and you know do a 25 minute hot soak you know so you can feel that pulse in your head get all your pores to absorb all that magnesium because obviously it's a you know it's, it's super stuff it'll really because we're all magnesium depleted yeah. and you know get it into your blood get it into your bloodstream and you know really relax into it and then finish off with a freezing cold shower mm. and learn to breathe you know like as i suggest the wim hof app in there it is free and he will talk you through it and you can get high on your own suppliers he says it can be trippy you know you can it's almost like an lsd thing because yeah. you are activating parts of your brain that are normally dormant without having to take an acid which is 
do get trippy when I do. I do his breathing every single day. I do get trippy. Oh, wow, that's great. <laughs> I just generally do when I can feel PMT coming on really? or I'm going to like some sort of house move or something. I mean, I'm not as disciplined as I seem to be. I just I just know it's there if I need it. It's yeah. in my artillery. And I mean, I, as I explain all about what oils to cook with and what oils not to cook with. And I highlight some of the what different names for sugar, just so you know, just so you're armed, you know. Mm. But I've done a two-week reset in there. And the reset is to bring down your cravings because I'm an addict. I know what cravings are like. And I've done the softly, softly approach to get these inflammatory addictive foods, these bliss point foods that have been designed by mathematicians not dietitians, mm. mathematicians to get us hooked on these processed foods. So I've done a little two-week reset at the back. And you can go in as hard or as light as you want. It's got bread in it. It's got meat in it. It's got coffee in it if you want to. If not, you've got matcha in there or chamomile. Either way, there's all sorts of little different, to make it work for you, different options. And after two weeks, I think you'll notice a huge difference, probably in your brain, but also in your waistline. Amazing. Okay, so that's out now. It's called It's Not a Diet and you can get it pretty yeah. much anywhere, right? Yeah, um, I think you can get it in store in Asda, which is great because it's all over the place in mass market. But of course, Amazon have got it and they, they take all the money, but whatever. <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> out there. And of course, if you can't afford a book, I do everything on my Instagram for nothing. So you can just, it'll take you a bit of a while to scroll through because my order's a bit scatty. Bear with me, but eventually DM me, you'll find it. And I've got, I try and put titles on everything so you can at least whiz through and you'll hear my northern voice explaining oh. how to breathe in a shower or something. But I do lots of IGTVs as well with the experts. So, as I said, I'm not a doctor, I'm not qualified, but I'm a curator of experts who think outside the box because we have to. Love that. Okay, so a quick fire round all about you. Just going to ask you a series of five quick fire questions. So the first one I ask everyone is wellness is fill in the blank. Wellness is contentment. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Something you know to be absolutely true that others would disagree with. The gut brain axis. It's real. (laughs) Absolutely. It's real. Uh, Which one person has made the greatest impact on your life? My mum. When she passed away, she opened this gateway to me and the future of health and technology and how to take control of your own body. So it's it's kind of a bittersweet. Essentially, her passing saved my life. Oh, wow. Wow. That's really powerful. The one piece of advice you hope your children will follow? Do not eat vegetable oil or seed oil. <laughs> that is definitely not one that most people say on the show (laughs) and okay I had to end with this one to give the listeners a bit of fun and grit but which celebrity was the most fun to party with oh god um (laughs) Reese fans funniest man alive absolute hilarious kind-hearted gentleman with the best stories you could ever wish to hear and his delivery is unique. Rissi fans, without a shadow of a doubt, love the guy. Oh yeah, I bet he'd be brilliant. Davinia, thank you so much. Just remind people where they can find you on Instagram. We will put it in the show okay. notes. My name is at Davinia Taylor. Simple. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. I've really enjoyed every second of this. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode of Reconditioned. I am honestly so grateful to each and every person that tunes in. Thank you also for taking responsibility for your own well-being. You should know that just by choosing to listen to podcasts like this that further your well-being, you're moving more deeply into abundance consciousness. Now, don't forget, I have a bunch of free resources over at laurenvacneen.co.uk, as well as every recommendation you could ever need in regards to your well-being on the LV Recommends page, all categorized for your ease. Thank you also to our sponsors. These episodes would not be possible without them, so make sure to check them out and get some pretty awesome discounts on the show notes. And of course, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so that you can get updated each time a new one is released. Thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate you.